Hello and welcome to Retention Chronicles, a podcast sponsored by Malomo, a shipment tracking platform that helps e-commerce brands turn order tracking into a profitable marketing channel. On this podcast, we welcome leading DTC brands and experts to chat about all things customer retention and e-commerce. We absolutely love highlighting all of the amazing things that our customers are doing in the post-purchase space. If you like what you hear, be sure to check out our website, gomalomo.com. Maybe you'll even be featured on this podcast someday in the near future, who's to say? To help us continue to bring new guests and information to you, please be sure to subscribe to this podcast wherever you like to listen. So on this episode of Retention Chronicles, which will be our 21st episode of season one and our final episode for season one. So we're going to be kicking off season two in August. Stay tuned for what that is going to look like. We're very excited for season two and that we've made it this far. Thank you all for who have listened, but let's get down to it. We have a great episode for our final season one episode. We're joined by Marcus Ohanishan. He is partner manager at Trellis, and Trellis is a full-service e-commerce solution provider, so an agency that specializes in implementing websites. Marcus talks to us about the differences between e-commerce platforms, between Shopify, Magento, BigCommerce, which is really interesting because, you know, most of the Shopify ecosystem is very, very well connected, but it's interesting to see the different advantages and disadvantages that lay in the other platforms. Marcus also tells us about auditing. You know, when they get a customer as an agency, they they kind of poke holes. He'll he'll describe this in the episode, but they poke holes in the current strategy. They maximize what is currently working. They'll perform that audit to have a baseline so that they completely understand the whole picture, what tools they can implement where to keep building on that picture and what tools they can take out to minimize some of the gaps and glaring issues that a merchant might have. Marcus also tells Noah and I about the different technology solutions. These can depend, um, you know, his, his suggestions depend on the vertical and the brand, of course. But what they'll do is they will completely build out a whole website experience that appeals to the customer so that each step along the way, you know, homepage doesn't make sense, the copy, the graphics, the way that each uh, section of the web page is built out, Marcus walks us through what best practices he's seen, as well as um, head, headless websites and optimization as far as website speed and data-driven, data-backed decisions, all of that we, we walk through. So stay tuned. It's a very great episode, and I hope you enjoy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Retention Chronicles. Today, we are joined by Marcus Ohanishan. Thank you so much for being us, um, being here with us today, Marcus. We are so thrilled to have you. First, we're going to kick it off. Um, can you give us your background? Share with us. Tell us what Trellis is all about. That'd be great. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me here. Um, so, yeah, my name is Marcus. I am the Partners Manager over at Trellis. Uh, my background personally is I come from a design background, so I went to school for it and I have a little side freelance agency 
where I do logo and branding design and uh, WordPress and Shopify and stuff like that. Um, and I kind of came into the Shopify space about three and a half, almost four years ago now, um, when I joined the Trellis team. And I started as a project manager, uh, led into an account strategist, and now I'm in the partners manager role here. Uh, so dealing with Shopify and BigCommerce and Malomo and all of our third parties here. Um, and Trellis, uh, Trellis is a, a full service e-com agency. And I'll say full service in air quotes because everyone's <laughs> definition of full service is different. Um, so we, we primarily focus on Shopify development. Um, and we also have a creative and design team as well. So we have a creative director, uh, a couple senior designers and a couple junior designers as well, uh, handling everything from brand strategy um, to UI UX design and everything in between as far as uh, design goes. We also have a marketing team that handles all of our PPC marketing. So Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Pinterest, uh, all paid ads and things, uh, as well as some organic SEO stuff, uh, dealing with you know analytics and tag manager and search console and all that good stuff. Uh, we've recently rolled out some Clavio uh, managed email services as well. So we're starting to, uh, you know, we've done Clavio services as far as uh, campaigns and designs and all that stuff, but now we're, um, we're handling the monthly maintenance of that as well and optimizations. Um, a lot of our merchants come to us for development services, uh, whether that's for a full build of a website in Shopify or that's a, you know, a monthly retainer. Uh, and then we'll sort of help hopefully grow them into some of the other services and kind of cross pollinate uh, to kind of offer them the, the gamut of what Trellis can offer, you know. Yeah, no, that's great. And that's why we're so excited to have you here. Um, just the all, all encompassing full strategy approach. Um, I think is great because like you like you just said there's different branches that obviously touch different parts of a company and so um whether building out like an entire storefront or coming in for a specific project um i can't wait to dive into all of um, those different aspects and mm -hmm. i do want to welcome noah again our director of partnerships here at malomo he's becoming a frequent co-host with me so excited mm -hmm. to have you here noah um so let's let's dive into it um, like you just said, you work with kind of different um, e-commerce platforms, sp specifically Shopify, um, Malomo. We are very focused on the Shopify ecosystem. So mm -hmm. because you are, you um, also deal with these other platforms, do you think there's any like anything special about the Shopify ecosystem as a whole? Um, I'd just love to get your opinion on that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, that's a loaded question. Um, we we <laughs> do have... We are partners with big commerce and we do have some legacy like magento adobe commerce clients um one of my core focuses has always been shopify um and that's definitely been a core focus for trellis as well um the the general vague answer to that question is uh yes but it's dependent on the merchant's requirements right and that you can apply that to so many different things so not every client not every merchant is going to be a good fit for shopify they are uh, pretty all encompassing, right? Like for a startup that wants to get their e-commerce store set up all the way to the million billion dollar merchants and stuff, right? Um, but there are some specific advantages that, you know, big commerce or uh, other platforms may have. And again, it's specific on the merchant's needs. Um, again, I'm drinking the Shopify Kool-Aid over here. So I'm a, <laughs> I'm a big fan of always recommending Shopify because it does a lot. It will probably take care of 99% of your needs. Um, and especially with uh, different third-party apps and things like that. Um, but even just out of the box, you know, as a startup, uh, even a small to mid-sized business, it's it's super easy to get, get uh, up and running or even kind of optimize and kind of jumpstart your, your e-commerce Shopify journey, you know? 
what are uh marcus some of like the fringe cases where you would at least recommend that um brands take a look at the at the other e-commerce platforms and just to like preface yeah. that question a little bit we're drinking the shopify kool-aid too a hundred percent like we don't we don't even work with brands that aren't on Shopify. So we are yeah. major Shopify brands, but I'm just curious from your perspective to, to get some sort of diversity uh, going here. What are those fringe cases? Yeah, so when we look at projects or you know, me personally, I'm looking at kind of the full scope, right? So a client comes to us and says, it's not just, hey, we need a, we need a redesign of our website. Cool, that's one section of the, the SOW and the scope, right? There's, there's how are they managing inventory? There's, are you gonna do B2B? versus B2C or both, right? And all of those specific scenarios required different use cases and technical requirements and tools and things that will power all that. So me personally, um, and I've always kind of had this thought and I definitely, it may change my mind uh, based off what Shopify just released with all their new updates for a summer. Um, but B2B has always been a little bit of a weak spot in the Shopify world for me. Um, it's always seemed a little like a workaround. I don't even want to say hack because it still works but a workaround of using an app, um, using customer tags to power specific pricing and groups and things like that. Um, and they've, they've tried and they've attempted a couple different uh, platforms and tools and updates and things. Um, so it seems a little bit more promising now, but I'd say big commerce um, has some really powerful B2B functionality. Um, and then in general, I think um, any sort of ERP and, and sort of backend, uh, like back office tools and things like that, um, that's where you get into more of the technical, like getting the solutions diagram all mapped out of what's connecting to what and who's talking to Shopify and uh, all the syncs and things like that. Um, that's potentially where things can get held up uh, in the Shopify space. And then one that just popped into my head is sort of the checkout. So if there's specific requirements, right? And I know if you're on Shopify Plus, Shopify gives you a little bit of flexibility, right? You can add in certain things uh, and some tools may or may not work within the checkout. But if there are specific requirements for the merchant for a checkout process, um, then that may or may not be the best fit on Shopify versus another platform. Cool. Um, okay, quick follow to that. Um, with that sort of, if you, given all of your experience working with Shopify, I'm sure you've identified um, some gaps for e-commerce brands, you know, B2C. <laughs> um, what would be like top of your list that you would love to see Shopify sort of improve upon? Would it be that checkout or, or something else? Yeah. So I think a lot of people hate that Shopify restricts the checkout. Um, I actually like it. I, I think that they have methodically done that or intentionally have done that because they've, it's, you know, been tested. So it works. Um, and I think that they're selective that, that they've probably curated just enough flexibility and just enough access to do what we needed to do. Um, I guess I'll go back to my original point of B2B. Um, I think that's a really missed opportunity. And I know I'm sure if someone at Shopify is listening or, uh, you know, other people have opposing opinions, I'd love to have conversations with them to understand. Um, especially now I ha I would be fully transparent and honest. I haven't had a chance to dig into those new updates that they just released. Um, so again, I could be wrong what's coming in the pipeline, but I would say, um, there's a lot of missed opportunity there or, uh, you know, redirection rather to a, a potential different platform because of that, because of the B2B requirements. Also, the uh, on the, the same side of it is um, the variance uh, limit, the variant restrictions. So in Shopify, I forget what, how many it is, um, 
but they restrict how many variants you can have for products. So product architecture as a whole is pretty awesome and pretty flexible and really robust and powerful in Shopify, but there are a few little like quirks that have also kind of said, well, that's the deal breaker where you have to go to a different platform because of that. Uh, so again, it's, it's a very rare use case. Like I mentioned, like Shopify does a really good job of covering the gamut, um, but there are those rare use cases where it's like, well, Shopify doesn't do this very well. They do it, but they don't do it very well. Or um, it's really just, you know, what's the best fit for the, for the merchant again. Yeah. Do you find a lot of like in terms of the timeline when a merchant is coming to you and the Trellis team, is it usually when they are built like at the very beginning looking to build out their entire storefront or is it or do you is it kind of hard to say, like, do you kind of get like a split among when, you know, your different clients will come to you? Yeah. That's a great question. It's it's kind of all over the map. We so we we have a specific offering called the Growth Spark package, and it's a it's a little bit of a um, easier entry into the into the market, basically. Uh, so it's a very defined scope of work. It's a very defined set uh, as far as budget and timeline goes. So you get this theme, you get these specific apps. Uh, it's a shorter timeline to get it launched, um, and it's a good entry point. That's obviously for a lot of smaller businesses and startups, and even some mid-sized businesses that want a little bit of a refresh. Um, and we get that up and running and obviously help grow with them into uh, increasing their online revenue and growing them into different departments and things like that. Um, but Trellis uh, deals with a lot of larger enterprise clients as well. Um, so again, it, it spans from the Growth Spark package all the way up to uh, billion dollar merchants that we're helping to manage and grow with um, in the Shopify space. Uh, and again, their, their approaches and campaigns and strategy behind everything they do are, are separate from each other, you know? So it really helps that Trellis has like a well-rounded team um, because we all have our strengths and weaknesses, right? Like we all have our our core things that we specialize in. Um, and for me, obviously it's looking at all of the conversion optimization tools out there or increasing the order tracking experience, right? Like those are all things that I can come to my team and say, hey, I don't know if you guys knew project manager on the Shopify site, but Malomo is a cool tool that does this, this, this. And here's a, cl a potential client that I think they can really use that for. And then taking that strategy uh, or an approach and applying it to um, all the different types of product review tools out there, right? Or the different, uh, you know, uh, upsells and cross-sell tools. So um, that's where I know that I can come in and help provide that valuable strategy to my team. I think they kind of, uh, everyone kind of needs to have a little piece of the puzzle because we have clients kind of all over the map at different stages of their their career, you know? That, that's awesome. I feel like the the idea of like bundled packages around Shopify and the apps is super fascinating to me. Like when you think about a golden Shopify stack and being able to sort of like productize it from the agency mm -hmm. perspective to the point where it's like plug and play. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, you know, you know, selfishly for me, a huge goal is to make sure that Malomo is at least considered, if not the preferred uh, order tracking solution in those sort of golden stacks, uh, especially mm -hmm. for like top tier agencies like like Trellis. Um, mm -hmm. But I'm curious, from a partnerships perspective, how do, do you sort of like resell those third party apps? Or do you have clients sign up for them directly? And then you take over the management? Like, what's the expectation from a from like an SOP perspective of what you own and what you leave to the clients to own. And if you want to speak about sort of what the technology vendors own as well, that would sort of round it out. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. So, you know, assuming that we have a partner partnership uh, agreement and program in place, um, it, it, it's a little of both. Um, sometimes they'll come in and they'll have no idea. You know, they're not as technology savvy or they're not within the Shopify e-commerce space to know, which is hence why they're coming to us as the experts. So they're looking for our, our guidance uh, to say, hey, they say, hey, we want to do this. And then we kind of map out what the technical solution looks like. And it includes using these two or three apps uh, to complete that. <clears throat> um, so it could just be, hey, sign up using this. You know, we might get a demo um, or, you know, we'll get in touch with our partner manager, do a demo. They'll sign up using our link, right? So we get the referral. Yep. Um, but we definitely like doing the ongoing strategy, right? So we, and that's sort of my role too, is to uh, be inclusive to all of our merchants and making sure that I understand what tools they're using to make sure that we're, so they understand the value of each. Um, so making sure that we're doing uh, quarterly audits of all of our tools and apps um, internally, but also with all of our merchants and stuff. Um, so some of, and then the opposite end of that is, you know, a client already has, has a successful Shopify site. They're looking to grow and optimize it a little bit more. They're coming to Trellis to get, you know, a development team and a design team on retainer basically. Um, so then we'll we usually start with some sort of technical audit, right? Um, so we're buying an existing car, right? Like we're buying a used car. We have to look under the hood to see how that car runs, just like the site. So if we didn't build the theme, we always start with technical audit and that unfolds all the tools and things that they're using. And that will kind of help drive some of the conversation of where we need to go, uh, or if we can save them money by using this, another tool, right? That accomplishes the same, or that just buys their other tool out. Um, and they save money and it's a better user experience or it cuts down on some operational time internally on them, then that's my role is to come to the table with that sort of uh, those key, uh, those key strategic metrics there. Cool. In, in doing, I'm sure, you know, like hundreds of audits over time, if not thousands of cellists, uh, is, are there any like key areas of the stack or these e-commerce marketing programs that, you know, even like the bigger, bigger merchants that you would expect to sort of have everything filled out uh, sort of like are missing? Like, is there something where, you know, merchants come to you and, you know, eight times out of 10 or seven times out of 10, you can be like, I bet, you know, they probably don't have this thing. And it, mm -hmm. it's very perplexing why they don't. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a, that's a delicate question, Noah. Um, <laughs> Uh, you put me in a position where I do not want to throw anyone under the bus. Sure. <laughs> um, no, but it is a really good question uh, because it, it does, there are, of course, holes, uh, you know, with all the partners. And that's sort of what I'm slowly learning too. Um, every partnership, every partner program is different between all of the vendors. So obviously you can think of like some of the top contenders of like, besides with platforms like Shopify, right? Mm -hmm. But, you know, there's like Gorgeous and Clavio and Yapo um, and, you know, recharge and rebuy and those types of tools right yeah. um and they are they're all amazing people and have great partnership programs and things and sometimes when we have merchants come in right like another agency or someone develop their site they come to us for retainer services or uh or rebuild um you know sometimes there isn't a proper upsell cross-sell tool and that's where rebuy can kind of come in right yeah. um or they're using another subscription platform and they they don't see the value of what recharge can can offer right um like i said that's sort of my my goal is to cross pollinate right so see why they're using the tool first and audit that and understand the strategic approach of why they chose that and it could just be like oh we just did a google search and we found it in the shopify app store and it was cheap enough it's like 
okay, well then let's let's dive into that a little bit more because uh, you could either spend a couple dollars more and get such a more powerful, robust app, or uh, or the same. You know, there's there's more reputable apps, and you know, the app store there's thousands of apps out there. So um, that's kind of what clients value us for is coming to the table and saying we're trusted partners with these people. We meet with them on a monthly or or in weekly basis. Like we have. Uh, a handful of clients are already using them. Here's some links. Check it out. Look at their user experience. Um, and I think that's uh, that's key. And, and that that's that proactive strategy that clients don't typically get with a lot of other agencies. So we always try to hone in on that. Um, and I was doing that as a project manager, as an account strategist, and now obviously as a partners manager to always keep in touch with the merchant to let them know what's going on because no one has the time if they're a merchant to keep up with all the cool stuff that all every single one of our partners is doing, right? Um, so I don't even know if I answered your question on that, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> it was a tough one. I think you did. I think you did a great job. Um, cool. Mariah, I'm going to let you jump back in here in a second, but I do have one, one quick follow up. Um, so like obviously Shopify ecosystem and now with the app store being what it is, thousands of apps, like how do you, it, I, I guess, do you proactively look for new apps and like innovative technologies that you can integrate in the stack and bring to your clients? Or is it more sort of opportunistically presented? Like, for example, you and I got connected because we were on a podcast episode, believe it or yeah. not, with, yeah. with Chase at Recharge when we were in Santa Monica for ChargeX. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, based on your discussion around retention, it made sense that we connected. But I'm curious if that's sort of normal and like it's opportunistic or you actually go look for look for new apps and if so mm -hmm. like how how do you sort through the sea of, yeah. of the infinite amount of solutions out there today yeah uh it's right now we we have uh in our internal partners database we have hundreds of partners and some of them you know we rank them obviously we have our tiers right and some of them are just sort of recommendations it could just be uh, a cool shopify app that doesn't have a partner program right but we we don't want to forget about them it saves us the time of doing the research and googling and whatever right and then all the way up to like our gold uh partners right um and i think it's it's mainly like you hear about it right we're all in the industry we get the email newsletters we read blog posts we see social posts like we go to conferences we end up seeing these names, even if it was just being sponsored on an event, right? We had, like, I had no idea what Maloma was. That's a perfect example, I guess, right? But being that we're all in this ecosystem in this little network, we eventually find out about this. Um, and, and same thing with a lot of the newer tools that are coming out. Um, you'll eventually cross paths with them. I feel like I'm not really like doing a lot of Googling and like outreach, you know? Um, it's been a lot of inbound stuff because we just have such a huge partners database already. And we're actually trying to pick some out of there to really hone in and, and like get the valuable ones and, uh, make sure that like, you know, we get, get it down to like a hundred partners or something like that. And we have ongoing relationships with them and we're actually working towards growth with each other versus just adding new partners in there. So, um, as I came into the partners manager role, I was very hesitant. Um, I don't even know if I sent this email to you guys yet about like, be having our partnerships on hold and stuff, you know, like I don't want to take on any more partnerships because we just have an abundance. So I need to kind of filter and sift through them all. Um, so I've been hopping on demos and I, I don't want to shoot anyone down, right? Like we, I want to learn what's out there uh, because again, if there's a better tool, uh, it's my due diligence to learn about that and empower myself and empower the rest of the trellis and empower our client and merchant to understand that as well. So, um, but now it's, now it's uh, getting to the point where it's like overwhelming how many tools are out there 
So I'm always getting hit up on LinkedIn, uh, especially when I put the partners manager title in my in my LinkedIn. Uh, there was an influx of uh, DMs in my LinkedIn, and I don't know. I'm not a huge fan of the uh, the cold emailing, cold messaging on LinkedIn personally. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> that's great. No, did you want to? Do you have another follow up? Uh, no, I was just gonna say Go real it. quick. I, we're I think Marcus, I mentioned this to you. We're sort of revamping our partner program right now, and so mm -hmm. I'm doing a bunch of. I'm not doing the cold messaging thing, but I am connecting with a lot of agencies on LinkedIn um, in more of like a passive aggressive. I'm not going to blow you up on LinkedIn because I agree that is so yeah. annoying. But hopefully, you see my announcement, you know, in yeah. the feed. You may, you may maybe get an email if I'm lucky enough to get personally connected. But uh, sure. happy to get that feedback from you because I'm on the same page and I was kind of on the fence. Like, should I go? Should I message them, you know, initially yeah. with the with the connection request with some information about the program? And I sort of decided against it. So mm -hmm. happy to hear your validation there. Mark. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm all ears. I, I love meeting people and I love talking with people, especially um, I'm a creator. I guess you can kind of say at the, at the core of it being a designer and and uh you know coming up if you're building a partner program or if you're you have this this new thing i want to learn about it but maybe the timing just isn't right right now you know so uh i'm not trying to say that i'm i'm rude to people on linkedin by any means but uh <laughs> timing timing is key and important in all aspects that yeah i mean this is real-time learning right like that's what this is all mm -hmm. about um <laughs> so absolutely great to get your opinions on that um Hopefully now too. I mean, <laughs> people are reaching out left and right on LinkedIn after listening to this podcast episode. <laughs> well, <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Well, let's see what the breakdown is on that one. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, I do want to ask though. So, I think your background is so interesting in that you have a lot of different um, perspectives and opinions. And now in this partnership um, role, you can have kind of like that more the overview of different technologies all working together. But in terms of when you're going to a merchant and advising, like looking at one technology versus another, do you have any, or can you share any insight into like what data metrics you're like focusing on? So like we work closely with Recharge and Rebuy, you mentioned both of them, like Gorgeous as well. So like, I guess if it's easier to break it down by a vertical and give an example there, um, mm -hmm. what like, what optimization are you looking for? Is it like specific percentages or is it based off of like goals that the merchant themselves set or that mm -hmm. sets? What it, can you kind of give us more insight into that? Um, yeah. All that, that data analytics. Yeah, absolutely. Um, again, it's going to be dependent on who the client and the merchant is, right? Um, yeah, a lot. And, That's okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And no, I'm sure I'm going to sound like a broken record because this was on, uh, I mentioned this on the, the uh, recharge podcast that we were on with Chase, but um, it really depends on their industry vertical um, as far as personalization goes. So that's just obviously one approach you can take to conversion optimization, right? Um, but when clients come to us, <clears throat> specific tools work better. So I guess like you can kind of think of uh, Octane for a product quiz, mm -hmm. right? Um, so that works really well with what's your skin type, right? So if you're a skin beauty care brand, right? Like Octane's a no-brainer. Um, that's an easy way to go through five questions for the user to go through five questions and then have a recommended product, give a 10% discount there uh, and convert them into a customer from there, you know? And then that syncs to Klaviyo, um, you know, the domino effect after that. That's one example of uh, sort of like the industry um, and the type of client kind of dictating what tool would work best. Um, obviously a product quiz may not work best for some of the other verticals. Um, 
So uh, that's just one example of a tool. Um, I think going along with analytics and metrics, we always like to get access to Google Analytics, right? And obviously getting access to their Shopify store, we, we have their analytics tool as well. Um, so we always kind of do a deep dive of that, just like we look under the hood for the technical audit that we do when clients come to us, if they have an existing site. We always look at the analytics um, and even involve our marketing team kind of ad hoc to do, you know, an hour or two or so or more of uh, helping us kind of helping the project manager, helping whoever uh, the main stakeholders on our side to go through analytics and just, you know, obviously we can say, okay, mobile is probably going to be very popular, right? Where are they coming from? What are the demographics? Like all the basic analytics stuff to make those data-driven decisions, right? So we have our own gut instincts uh, because we know what's worked best for some other clients and other merchants. And we can kind of keep that in the back of our head, but looking at their actual analytics, um, it will it'll show what's doing really well, right? So we can lean into that more and build that out and scale it to some of the other products, more landing pages, whatever it may be, but also it pokes holes in what isn't working well. And that's sort of where we can come in and bring the strategy to say, hey, it's great you guys are doing this stuff really well. That's working out great and using these, these tools, seeing a lot of success. But where we can help is, uh, I'm just being general and vague here, but you know, you can kind of say, we're looking and we're seeing a, a low conversion rate on these. Uh, people are dropping off on this page. Let's really deep dive into that. Um, so using tools like you know, Hotjar or Lucky Orange, uh, any screen recording tool like that, um, you can kind of see a lot of the, the analytics there. Um, so it's definitely uh, a lot of the analyzation that comes from it and then making those data-driven decisions based off who who, who they are, um, but, you know, a lot of based off their business goals too. It's like uh, part of my role as an account strategist before was to have these like zoomed out monthly or quarterly meetings with clients and say, enough of the day-to-day, -day, like that's with your project manager. I'm your account strategist, let's zoom out and like, let me know what your goals are for the next three to six months and how we can help support you. So you new product launches, um, you know, content creation, um, whatever it may be, right? Uh, every, again, every merchant has their own goals. So I'm I'm always thinking from a, a technology standpoint. Again, they may not know what tools could help them accomplish their goals. So we always just like to listen, take it back to the team uh, and strategize together. And then obviously we get more available work out of our merchants because of that. And we're, we're being proactive with it. We're not being reactive of them saying, hey, fix this bug, fix this thing. Uh, we're kind of coming to the table and saying, we heard you had issues uh, with this or you really want to grow this part of your business so um, subscription program whatever it may be and that's where we can kind of chime in uh, with our strategic advice yeah no that that's very helpful to understand i know of course obviously there are differences between each different brand is going to look a little bit different um but i love that piece about being proactive rather than reactive and at malomo we definitely stand by that as well you know like with just in terms of communications with your customer and making sure that you are very thorough in your analysis mm -hmm. and just from, yeah. uh, you know, like trellis the way that you approach kind of like all those different audits and like looking under the hood, making sure that wherever, you know, you can maximize, have that space and be proactive is mm -hmm. definitely, I think the preferred method. <laughs> and so mm -hmm. they're not, it happens every time that's usually up in the air. Um, right. But I, yeah, I appreciate that perspective. And so with that, what are, can we dive into like the actual strategies um, that you can build out for like different scenarios? So say like, what would be, um, a, obviously at Malomo, we're really concentrated on like the user experience and um, how the customer feels at each touch point. Mm -hmm. So 
how would you, if there, if say there's a, a brand that you're working with that they're just starting out, what would you recommend for in terms of like starting to build out their um, customer experience? Like from what's taking taking that step back, where do you say like okay, you need to make sure you do this, 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 and this with your customers so that they have that seamless customer experience? Yeah. That's a great question. It's pretty loaded. There's lots of different angles that we can go down. Um, we're, we're coming at you, you know? <laughs> yeah, I love, <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah, there's a lot of areas. And again, it's going to depend on the client, right? But the, you, you got to have the foundation in place. So again, zoom out and uh, I'll get the foundation in place and get the, the core and the structure and the bones in place, then optimize on top of that, right? So if your theme, if your speed and performance of your Shopify theme is horrible, especially on mobile, right? Then let's work on that first before you start adding upsells and cross sells and uh, releasing a subscription program and all this sort of stuff, right? Um, so th that key is we do a lot of the audits from a technical audit, like looking at the code, speed and performance audit, uh, ADA, you know, accessibility audit, uh, a UI UX audit, which is kind of just all encompassing, you know, kind of taking a look at the site uh, and coming to the table with some suggestions and recommendations. Um, and then there's specific ones like a subscription program audit, right? So it's mainly focusing on that side of the business. Um, and we, we work with um, partners like Recharge and stuff like that to kind of co-strategize it, you know? Mm -hmm. um, I think a couple couple high level touch points is one, keeping your site super simple. Um, a lot of brands tend to over overcomplicate, not just the design, the UI and the UX side of it, but the messaging. So even the content on the page, like the homepage is overwhelming, right? There's no call to action there. We don't even, you know, your brand name could be something funky like Google, right? <laughs> or something funky where it doesn't say what you do, right? But then they're already diving into the product pitch without talking about a little bit of the brand and the mission and the values. And then having that combined um, brand experience with the e-commerce experience. I, I, me personally, I feel like that's a good balance to have for the homepage specifically, right? For an, obtaining a new customer. Um, Cause you want to understand um, their perspective, right? <clears throat> Someone that's never heard of it, um, heard of your brand. Um, so that kind of leads into the product page, I guess, right? So say they're, they've gone through the process homepage directly on the product page or collections to product page, right? Um, the PDP is obviously is probably the most important page on your Shopify store uh, for multiple reasons. One, SEO. So really looking at your product descriptions, product titles specifically, but um, product descriptions to really hone in on um, using keywords, but intentionally not obviously fabricating it. Um, someone was, someone at Charles was making a joke the other day, back in the day, uh, in the footers of the website, you have like uh, web design Massachusetts, web design this, and it was like a chunk of SEO tech that you'd like put, <laughs> some people would even cheat and put like black text on a black background. And it was just like this hacky way. Uh, I don't know, I'm dating myself because I was like back in the, the early 2000s. Um, but having your PDP uh, search engine optimized um, with the product descriptions and then, you know, below the fold, right? So you have your images, your title, uh, your quantity selector, your add to cart button, little product description. And then you might see like a, a free tab section under that, right? Or you might even see um, some icons. So we've been doing a lot of optimizations of that to call out, you know, are there eco-friendly initiatives that your company stands for or with that specific product? Um, is there eco-friendly ingredients, right? Um, <clears throat> or some of the stats and analytics that could be translated visually into an icon. Um, that helps break up the content. So you're not putting all of that into chunky text in the product description, right? And then, you know, adding in some social proof, 
Um, so obviously having product reviews somewhere, uh, usually at the bottom of the page, but sometimes even having some user-generated content, pulling in from Instagram or wherever, um, or video testimonials, right? Uh, video is obviously very engaging. Uh, there's lots of different content to put in, but keeping it in check and in line to be not overwhelming and really go back to the core of your brand and the product. It should always kind of, those are the kind of the two pillars, right? And there kind of needs to be that like happy medium and that balance between the two. So it's not all salesy product um, here by this, by this. Um, and it's not all brand talking and not talking about the products and vice versa, you know? Um, so the other side of it is product. So homepage, the product page, um, and then going from the product page to the cart and the checkout, right? Those are different touch points. So upsells and cross sells we can use as an example, right? So <clears throat> doing that tastefully because no one wants more pop-ups in a modal window, right? They have to X out that you don't want. Uh, so there's implementation ways to, to approach that. Um, so tools like Rebuy um, kind of do it very eloquently where it's implemented uh, very strategically and intelligently, but it's also done on the personalization side of things. Um, so they're a really good tool that integrates personalized experience and really, um, really important upsells and cross-sells. So we're not uh, just adding more fluff and more crap into the page, uh, taking away from the user experience, right? Um, and again, that's on the homepage, but you know, also the PDP, the cart, and the checkout, even post-purchase as well uh, on the order confirmation page. So those are all important touch points. I'd say that like once you get the foundation in place, then we can really work on uh, improving and optimize that and really like setting the expectation with our merchants that it's a long-term play too. Like we're going to do these updates uh, and we're going to go through a design process and maybe development process and talk about the strategy, make sure we're all aligned. We're going to launch it and implement it. And then we're going to look at and do a little bit of a retrospective, you know, three to six months down the line and see how those are performing. Like I said, look at the analytics and make data-driven decisions based off those updates, AB testings, right? Those are all important to look at. Yeah, no, that makes a ton of sense. Would you say like you, you'd said three to six months, like that's usually when you're looking at those, like giving that time frame to really like, say you do a whole new, you know, um, whole new website. Yeah redesign like you want to make sure that you get it at least enough time so would you say like on average you guys are usually looking at like three to six months out once all development and design and implementation is done yeah i'd say initially i mean if we're talking right out you know post launch of a, of a new site we're definitely looking at it in that first month make sure everything's obviously firing properly right with all the event tags and everything make sure that data is feeding in properly um but yeah every month we're we're looking at our monthly retainer budgets with our clients so we always want to make sure that we're again proactively coming to the table with uh, these things are working really well um, or let's A-B test some other things because this isn't working well. Um, and again, it's, it's, I guess to answer your question, it should probably be every month, but every three to six months is more of like the long-term initiatives um, to, to make sure we're understanding the trajectory of it, you know? Right, like before you start making changes kind of, yeah. Yep, yeah, exactly. Um, question Marcus when you so you kind of talked about the foundation obviously being super important before you start thinking about enhancements I'm curious what's the foundation is laid you've got the store up you know events are firing correctly what is there a typical like first thing that you always like to add uh to kick things off and sort of make that first that first jump uh like maybe it's support via gorgeous or product tracks mm -hmm. via rebuy like 
what is typically what you like to think about as like the lowest hanging fruit that you can that you can get started with in terms of building on top of that foundation? Yeah, uh, great question. So I think it, it, for <laughs> us, because we're a lot of clients come to us for development services, right? We're very technical focused. So speed and performance would probably be number one, making sure that you're mobile optimized. Um, again, looking at the data, I'm sure it's going to say that most of your users, 80% or something is coming from mobile. So really focusing on that experience um, and doing multiple tests to see how pages load uh, and really using the audit to do the, a lot of the remediation work. Um, again, some clients came to us because they need ADA remediation services, right? So completely different, but we end up continuing to work with them on development retainer services as well, you know? Um, and obviously with color contrast and things like that, that dives into a little bit of the creative design side of things too. Um, <clears throat> I think getting the core foundation of the theme, especially with Shopify's, Shopify's 2.0 stuff that came out, um, not even recently now, it's been out for a while, but um, all of their themes are, uh, the 2.0 themes are really great foundation. Um, they'll load really well. They're great to build on top of as well. Um, which we've done a few taking like the Dawn theme, for example, and building on top of it. Um, that's, you know, that's the, the meat and the potatoes of your, of your site is the theme essentially, you know? So starting there, because a lot of the add-ons and the, the apps and the tools are, I don't want to say nice to have, because some of those are essential. Um, like you said, gorgeous, but, um, you know, getting a live, live chat kind of support, uh, program in place, but making sure that the merchant can, uh, support that as well. Right. So not just getting, not just throwing a bunch of stuff on there and then people are sending messages and not getting replies. Obviously that's a bad user experience, you know? Um, so checking in with the client to work on a lot of that. So that was part of, again, my role as a strategist is doing an audit, like an all encompassing holistic audit of your site, looking at your app and saying, all right, cool. You guys are doing this, but, um, did you know you could be doing using gift cards, using this other tool like Favalo or rise.ai, uh, or you know, obviously checking off the core boxes of once you get start to get sales, make sure you're getting the reviews in there. So what are you using for your product reviews? You know, um, what's your email campaign look like, right? Like what's your email strategy look like? Hopefully there is a strategy there. Um, and also what's your SMS strategy? Because a lot of merchants still don't see the value behind SMS. So are you talking to the Yopo SMS bump or attentive or any of those tools out there? Um, there are so many tools out there that do so many different things. Um, but I'd say like all those are like the nice to haves, um, just getting the theme in place first. Um, and it sounds like a no brainer. It sounds like, well, yeah, we're going to get a theme in place stuff, right? Like that's, that's literally how our site's going to launch, but <clears throat> you'd be surprised how many people kind of jumped the gun on that, you know? Um, and then kind of optimizing it with all the, uh, the proper tools in place. Um, search and filtering is probably another missed opportunity, um, which you know, you, you can really scale it up to get something like Algolia or Search Spring, something that's really powerful, robust, and obviously there's a little bit of a price tag associated with it because of that. So it may not be ideal for the, the startup or the, the smaller to mid-sized business, but um, even just kind of using a lot of the robust Shopify functionality, but really honing in on that collections page to make sure that the user can drill down to size and color and whatever other variants you have for your products, you know, I think that's super important. Yes. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack there. We, uh, shameless plug, we are very big fans of the Shopify 2.0 uh, themes. We actually released uh, the Lomo theme app. So for any brands on Shopify 2.0, they can just sign up for Malomo, grab an API key, and then drop in a tracking block on any one of their 
pages using that theme app. Uh, again, only caveat is they have to be on Shopify 2.0, but it allows us now for the first time basically to have like a true product-led growth motion because, because of how simple it is. Um, literally can get started just like any other theme, right, on, on 2.0. It's not specific to Maloma, but uh, in order tracking it is like literally get an order tracking page set up in 10 minutes or less and then mm -hmm. drop other, right? Like 2.0 themes in there like rebuy. So you could have a yeah. rebuy widget on your tracking page in 20 minutes. And now you've got product recommendations in your post-purchase experience. Pretty cool stuff. And we're yeah, starting to great. see brands like do that on their own, uh, which is cool. Cause in the past we've done a lot of um, the building of pages and hosting on our end. But now mm -hmm. that brands are sort of, have the ability to take control and they're actually thinking about like how can we integrate the rest of our stack into the order tracking experience super mm -hmm. cool to see that they're sort of taking that uh taking that on their own and thinking through that uh without you know the need for like somebody like us um, yeah. and i think a lot well, of times too it's their agencies who are supporting those initiatives which makes it even better because you obviously have like a much more holistic view of all of the other initiatives across across the merchants that we're working with together yeah uh, just real quick with like the speed and optimization being a big focus i'm curious if you've done any work on the headless front uh and what your sort of stance is there yeah absolutely yeah we we definitely have a uh have done a few uh, headless sites here um we have a whole department um we acquired a headless agency actually um Oh, cool. Say probably, I don't even know when the, when the time was, maybe about a year ago, might even be less than that. Um, but yeah, super powerful agency that we've hired on to bring on some headless specific developers and sort of ahead of headless strategy. Um, so using tools like Shogun, um, mm -hmm. the, the headless um, version of that, as well as Contentful and a couple other tools. Um, again, it's really dependent on um, updating your site. You know, speed and performance helps, right, with headless. Um, we have a headless site for our, our WordPress, our trellis.co, um, and it works great. Um, and it, like I said, it's really just dependent on um, if you have multiple Shopify sites, right? Uh, or what the, your architecture looks like. Um, so if you have a US site versus a Europe site or Canada or wherever, um, headless may be a good example there. Um, I'm definitely not an expert in the headless world. Um, that's why we have the team that we acquired. Um, but I think there's definitely a, uh, a use case for it. But I think it is also a bloated buzzword in the, in the industry now um, that it's this new, you know, shiny object syndrome, right? It's this new toy that's came out where everyone uh, wants to get this headless site. But as we bring our solution strategists into our discovery phase with the client and they say, yep, we want a headless site. And we kind of poke and prod and ask the right questions. And eventually we have this solutions diagram and, you know, the SOW and all the things that come out of our discovery, we on, on, unfold and reveal to the client, like headless isn't the right move for you. You know, um, you probably heard about it on a podcast or something like that. And you think it's this cool thing that you need, but we're actually going to save you a ton of money and accomplish the same thing. And here's why, and here's how we do it and kind of unpack it. Um, so there's pros and cons, just like any new tool or solution that comes out, you know? Yeah, no, that makes a ton of sense. Um, I'm sure Noah asked, cause we have, uh, our Malomo.js, which supports headless. And um, so it makes a lot of sense, but to hear that you can have different ways that for each merchant, you know, you can it headless, if it's for you, it's for you. And if it isn't, 
than it isn't. And there's other solutions out there. I'm sure that's um, just as motivational because I do think, you know, something new comes out. And of course, like you said, the shiny new syndrome, um, you can't but help be intrigued and want the best of the best. And usually we equate best um, as new. And so um, definitely interesting to hear your perspective on that. And mm-hmm. um, I know we're, we're coming up on time. We're very close. One of the things that we love to do, love to ask is resources. Um, so this can be any resource that you would recommend, whether it's, you know, specific to Shopify or um, specific to anything in um, in general that you want. But what are some resources that you go to, you know, when you're looking to learn about, um, I don't know, whatever, whatever it may be, tech stack or mm-hmm. anything? Yeah. Uh, let's see. I'll pull, I'll pull some out of a hat right now, randomly. Um, <laughs> <Love it. laughs> so I think, uh, I think it was gorgeous that has D to C X uh d2cx.io right um yes, they huge do. huge community for a bunch of events that's been great anytime they have events that sound somewhat relevant or interesting i just sign up um and try to join it if not you know watch the replay but they've been great building that community around e-commerce um <clears throat> and some of their summits and events have been really powerful um and i've learned a lot so that's definitely a great resource if you haven't heard of it or joined any of the events um also D2C related, uh, I just came across the 1-800-D2C.com. You guys familiar yes, with that? Yes, we just yeah. had them on the podcast actually. Oh, yeah. oh cool, <laughs> oh, awesome. Yeah, this they. I, I think I just stumbled upon it, but it's so cool. Uh, it's such a great showcase of really awesome uh, Shopify sites and obviously mapping out all the tools that they use, right? So you don't have to use like the, the built with Chrome extension to kind of look at uh, what's under the hood there. Uh, so that's pretty cool. Uh, and then shamelessly, I'll plug uh, the trellis.co slash blog, that's the trellis blog. Um, we put a lot of tips, um, talk about the state of the industry, uh, talk about our opinions, whether you want to hear about them or not. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then uh, our CEO, Isaiah, has a B2B podcast called The Hard Truth About B2B. Uh, so he has a bunch of episodes um, that interview people in the B2B space. Uh, it could be merchants, could be uh, fools, all sorts of stuff like that. So um that's on our website as well uh and i'm sure we'll put some some notes in the the uh the podcast and stuff in the podcast notes here for this one so uh i think yeah i think that's that's a good handful off the top of my head i can think of yeah that's that's cool because like mariah said 1-800 was just on the on the podcast and we uh our ceo actually spoke at dtcx a couple weeks ago so oh nice uh we are big fans of those resources too and (laughs) can echo the sentiment to definitely go check those out to our listeners awesome yeah thank you so much i'll definitely make sure that all those resources are linked in our episode description um but marcus this has been phenomenal i know there's so many good golden nuggets for our listeners to dive into and learn from um so thank you for taking the time and um sharing all of your insights your perspectives Uh, it's been wonderful and we love you know working with you and your team it's it's a blast awesome thanks for having me i really appreciate it thanks marcus thanks Alrighty, I hope you enjoyed that final episode of season one of Retention Chronicles. I know I definitely did. Now it is time for our final fact check of season one. Um, And it's a great fact check because we actually have no facts to check. 
the only thing I wanted to mention is Marcus talks about the Shopify updates. We're including that in the resources, but there's a lot to cover there. Um, so we're not going to focus on that during this episode, but if you want to go and read it, it is linked in the episode description along with the other resources that Marcus and Noah both recommend. Thanks for listening and we're excited for season two. Be sure to tune in and subscribe. Thank you.